0: tense negotiations, and the pressures of closing, while also getting insights on how to best navigate the public markets. In today's episode, I speak with Chris Smith, founding partner of Investing News Network. One of the cornerstone beliefs that I have is that education before solicitation builds trust. This is especially important for public companies engaging both retail and institutional investors. Now for public companies, investor marketing is becoming a standalone concern. We're now able to apply ad tech and marketing tech to reach investors, but thoughtful, valuable content is where the brand is built. And just like with products or services, various brand touch points are a vital part of capturing mind share of your interested buyers. You need to touch these people seven or eight times before a lead becomes a buyer. This same principle applies to investors. This is where Investing News Network and other content offerings come to play. They have a stable of writers and an audience who come to their website to read about industries and companies alike. As for the investor media industry, they play a balancing act with their client companies and the readers. Now, when you're working with a publisher, the good ones will deliver their services with a high degree of journalistic integrity. In other words, they're just not gonna write promotional fluff about you. Ideally, they're gonna write and reference with credible sources that educate the reader. As a CEO, I think it's an important question to ask about how they manage this inherent conflict of interest, publishing versus promotion. Chris takes the time to get into this with us. Now we also discuss how CEOs should be measuring the effectiveness of services like Investing News Network, or anybody else out there in the digital media space. I aim to ask the questions that CEOs should be asking of service providers like them. The responses and advice Chris provides are enlightening. Content production and the investor media world is an important aspect of your public company. So I hope you enjoy this episode. On the line, I have Chris Smith, who's one of the founding partners of Investing News Network. Chris, thanks so much for making the time. Corey, it's great to be here with you and your audience. I mean, for the record, we've well, I've had the pleasure of working with you in the past with some clients, and I find the work that INN or Investing News Network does... It's valuable and it's interesting, but I think perhaps at times misunderstood. So I'd really, I want to get into what you're doing and perhaps the best way to start is with a brief uh, elevator pitch about yourself and uh, about INN.
1: Sure. I appreciate the opportunity. I personally enjoy helping public companies educate, brand, and connect with investors. And I'm one of the founding partners of INN and currently lead the sales team and account management teams here. Prior to that, I worked in the performance marketing industry. I was actually, before Google was doing Google Analytics, I worked for a measurement company, and we watched how the traffic flowed across the internet. And that's how I found the love for you know marketing technologies. I founded a publication for affiliate marketers called Revenue, the Performance Marketing Standard. And then I got the opportunity to come up to Canada and where I met my partners, uh, Mike Roger and Nick Smith, and we formed Dig Media, which uh, was 10 years ago. INN is known for being a publisher that produces independent news for the investor across 40 targeted categories. We cover the resource sector, life science, technology, and cannabis. And we have an editorial team that is writing contextual articles about what's going on in these markets so they can make more informed decisions. And so if they want to go beyond the published content and connect with our clients, we have technologies there that allows that to happen. And for publicly traded companies, who want to connect with investors that are researching and trying to understand the markets that they're involved in, we offer them an opportunity to educate, to brand, and connect.
0: I mean, this is a media business model, but the clients of yours are public companies. And a big piece of this is education. But so they'll work with you to put together articles that exhibit them, but also... They go beyond that. So, I mean, how do you not just be promotional? It's a good
1: question and one that we put a lot of time and thought into here. We do have two clients. One is the, that investor that's uh, looking to understand the market and trust that the information that they are getting is going to help them. Two, we work with the, the CEOs of these publicly traded companies and we help them put together campaigns that will get their news in front of our audience. We build deep dive profiles that explain the value propositions. We create educational white papers for the investors so they understand why they're in business. And we allow them an opportunity to do direct marketing to folks interested in the field that they're operating in. And we generate valuable leads, investor leads for those that want to take the next step and learn about the company. So Again, we are putting together campaigns that are designed to help build the brand, get their news and get exposure. And ultimately, they're going to build a database of people who care about the business that they're in.
0: Yeah. And
2: I mean, this is, when I look at
0: INN or Investing News Network, it fits into a larger investor relations or investor marketing play. And there's definitely an awareness component there that It helps people wrap their head around this or get to know the company and then start to wrap their heads around the factors that are there. And then you have a mechanism there like some other service providers, which helps drive leads in that the team can start to engage with. So those will be like emails and phone numbers of of interested or potential investors. I see an interesting similarity between the work you guys do, which is part of investor marketing. It's content marketing. And then there's also consumer marketing. Can you see similarities there, and how should companies view that, or what could they do to perhaps use some of the best practices of consumer marketing in their investor marketing?
1: Yeah it's an interesting question, and it has it's you know many different angles to look at this and the similarities, and there are some distinct you know differences between the two from a I appreciate the ad tech and the marketing tech and how that's evolved. You know, when you know, first starting into the investor relations content, you know, just the concept of the CRM database and how much that has evolved and how companies are now starting to use the segmentation and the marketing automation. And these things are really helpful because ultimately this is a uh, not a needed purchase it's in a part of a sales strategy. And so I really appreciate where the ad tech and marketing and tech has brought this. From a content perspective, of course, there are the legal constraints out there. And I still believe content is king there. And providing good, solid, fact-based education and content is still very important for publicly traded companies to be communicating in the good times and the bad. So we're helping brands showcase their value and giving them our writing expertise to kind of educate why they're in business. So the content perspective is there to build the brand. We provide branding in our newsletters and on our sites to to help bring exposure. And I still think that's an important part of investor relations is is building that brand and getting your investors to be your advocates. And I think just like in consumer marketing, you want happy consumers who are going to spread the word. You want the same in the investor relations space.
0: There is something there that I think we could go down a rabbit hole here and perhaps it's helpful. Well, hopefully helpful for the audience. But when you start talking about the technology behind it, the ad tech and the marketing tech or martech as they seem to want to call it these days, there's a lot of powerful tools there for segmenting. But one thing we can't do is connect somebody's awareness or somebody's engagement with an article directly to the sale of shares or stock and you know for a number of reasons but how could a CEO looking at INN or any other service out there who's looking to drive awareness for investors
2: how should they be measuring the effectiveness of using services like yours that's a great question
1: when we provide campaigns we are generating and you know interest from investors. They will give us first name, last name, phone numbers, email address, IP address, where they are in the world. We turn that over for the company so they can put them in their marketing automation, their drip campaigns or sending them their latest press releases. We offer best practices and what to do there. But one thing to watch is, you know, people are operating, they're doing their own research out there. They're dictating when they give you your attention. And so we suggest to our teams that watch the engagement levels of your content that you're sending to them. If you are sending educational articles, if you're sending press releases that are showing that you're unlocking value, watch the engagement, see who your advocates are, or those that are constantly opening up your press releases, and then take the opportunity to to call them.
0: Hmm and kind of use that as a barometer of their interest and then actually reach out to engage. Absolutely. Now, you mentioned best practices. What are some of those? I think our investor relations industry
1: with Cassell, the Canadian Anti-Spam Legislation, a lot of the databases were reduced. A lot of our publicly traded companies have really stepped up to the plate in terms of their compliance, in terms of who is sending and how you got the information, the, the investor information. We guide our clients on how to do that and how to best communicate, how to you know, purge your list if people aren't opening. So from best practices, there is a, a plethora of information from your email providers and how to engage your list and be compliant and respectful to your investor audience. The one thing that, you know, we try to avoid is just, you know, just don't show up out of the blue after not talking to them in six months and expect them to respond in an appropriate manner. But we just, again, it's this constant communication, touching your list, warming them up, purging the ones that are not active. And then that's the first steps that, you know, running a good investor relations marketing campaign, using the leads from INN. N.
0: And what I see here, this is something that perhaps a CMO might jump on easily, but I mean, this is all part of a, a larger funnel strategy and In in yep. essence, bringing somebody down that marketing funnel, in this case, an investor marketing funnel of, of awareness into consideration. You know, why should they actually consider investing in the deal after getting, uh, you know, awareness of the opportunity and of the, the company itself and ultimately into conversion the way I see conversion in the case of IR and measure it would be on the amount of leads or the people who are actually willing to give you their email. I mean, that's mm-hmm. the consider the conversion because we can't measure the actual purchase of stock. Perhaps we can measure volume. What other things there? Are you, have you seen other companies approach us in a similar way or in a different way? How could we frame this up so the management teams could really you know, look at this in a way that is most constructive?
1: Yeah, when we talk about our funnel, it's like you know our. Sometimes I'm often reminded of how small some of our industries are that we work in, and even in the mining space as a, as a as a global uh, topic, you know the small cap gold investor, you know in the bigger scope of things, it's not as large as we think sometimes, and so part of our value is to be. We've been publishing independent articles on the space since 2008. And we have a lot of content out there that answers the questions coming from investors. And those investors come into our system. They trust our content. They subscribe. And ultimately, they're going to maybe end up into a funnel for one of our clients. And that's a valuable thing because that new person that may be taking an opportunity to educate them on a space, it's very expensive for the small cap company to go out and try to find that person. And we're bringing them to the companies. Now, how can you judge? I think it goes back to sometimes just the good old-fashioned survey, having meaningful conversations with your investors and asking them. We've done case studies where we've asked our clients, are you investing in the market? Are you investing in small caps? Are you investing in our clients? And we've had some very encouraging results in how much are actually participating. And I would encourage the same for investor relations teams is get to know your audience.
0: I think a common fallacy in the world of IR is that, you know, you can use digital to build some awareness, but then what do you do with those leads? And then you've got the traditional let's go and do some conferences and, and reach out to the brokers or the high net worth individuals we know, but you're going back to the same well, but it sounds, Mm -hmm. I mean, and actually I would say, I know from having seen some of the work you do that you can start to attract some fairly capable investors through the work that you guys do and what you can bring for the
1: clients. Absolutely, and then the topics of just for example, gold right now is a, you know everyone's starting to talk about it and and I watch the leads coming in and they're every day, every week, every month we're bringing new investors that are taking the opportunity to educate themselves on the spaces from graphite to gold to nickel you know we, we have newsletters for all these topics, and so seen a plethora of end users and just very interesting companies. In fact, I was just telling the team the other day, uh, one of my uh, mentors and uh, heroes in terms of investments, Ray Dalio's company, Bridgewater Associates, I almost fell off my seat when I saw uh, you know, a, a subscription come in from one of his research associates. So as a point to no this, kidding. yes, we are bringing in you know new audiences through you know independent content. And again, full circle. That's how I believe, you know, the companies have an opportunity to educate and showcase their own thought leadership. And then that's a part of our marketing strategy here is lead through market through education.
0: Man, I would have to say, you know, we're 20 minutes in here. I I would have dropped that in the first 10 seconds that you got somebody like Bridgewater subscribing <laughs> to what you're doing. That's really interesting. That may be a single uh, for all of our gold bugs out there
1: that... Uh, yeah, you know, the interesting times and that we often uh, part of what I love about my job is I get to watch the traffic and where the traffic is coming in from. And uh, Google is an interesting barometer and you can see the searches coming in based upon what the thesis is out there. So if we see a run in nickel traffic or if we see a run in biotech, it's usually because there's something out there that is driving that. And you can really see that usually before it becomes mainstream news.
0: Oh, wow. some leading indicators. Exactly. Yeah. A question that I have is, you know, we're at such a point of information overload and even with the, I mean, the good work you do, I'm sure that there's, you know, all of your viewers are kind of like they're inundated with, with so much information. How can companies and how do you guys work to separate yourself from the pack?
1: Yeah, I think it comes down to, if I were to simplify this, and and that's a hard thing to do in uh, today's landscape, is niche topics is one way that we have helped to differentiate ourselves by covering these niche topics and providing newsletters for all of them and an opportunity for companies to stand out within those is one way that we're helping. And I would say that that's the same thing to a company. Own a niche and be great at it. Don't try to be everything to everybody. The amount of channels that are out there, I think, is a, is a positive thing. People get to choose how they want to consume media on the channel of choice. We definitely see, you know, the, as we are on a podcast now as a trend, but also YouTube and the amount of video that's coming into the space. But, uh, you know, ultimately, I think it's a good thing to have more choices as a consumer. The one thing that's hard right now is that we are maybe in a little bit of a drought with fact-based reporting. But I do see the journalism coming back with you know, the Washington Post and you know, what's all going on the, on the political side is driving mm-hmm. journalism a little bit again too. And the need for a fact-based
0: journalism is essential in our societies and especially in the investing markets. That's an interesting one because I remember just for context for listeners, you and I were sitting down and had lunch and we're talking and you made the point that your writers, they're just not going to write anything. And there's a degree of what I understand is journalistic integrity
2: there, if I'm not mistaken. So, you know, where are we at? And this is kind of a broader question, but you know, you mentioned the Washington Post, you mentioned some other names out there and you say it's coming back, but like, what's the state of the overall journalism industry now?
1: Yeah. And it's unfortunately we know what's happening from a political sense of uh, deciding, you know, which narratives, a lot of opinions. And I think that's clearly what we're seeing with these channels and the fact checking mechanisms that some of us have been taught to use are not being used. And so it is very sometimes difficult to understand what is an advertisement, what's propaganda and what is fact based journalism. We have a team that is independent of the sales team. They get to cover what they wish. They get to interview the thought leaders, put things in context, but they don't have to write about certain topics based upon what my sales team sells. However, we do have a concept of called native advertising when you write, let's say, an advertorial. But again, even on our paid side where we create content that's really white papers for investors sponsored by our clients, we use the same editorial standards. We have to have credible sources, back things up, get credible quotes, and just having that integrity even if it's a sponsored piece. That's something that we go into the market with and just try not to be too promotional, but give the facts, let the investor connect the
2: dots. I mean, for the audience you have, and and we should have stated this up front, it's pretty bloody big. (laughs) Like you've got thousands and thousands and thousands of audience members interested. So please give us that number. But with that, I mean, you've got a balance between keeping the clients happy on the paying customer side and then also making sure that that audience doesn't feel like they're being fed a load of promo. So, I mean, how does that look and how do you manage that? Yeah, that's a fun
1: part of the job. Our audience is uh, mostly North American. We see a lot of U.S. citizens coming up to read our content. That was one of the original, you know, concept of this company when we saw the doc, Com boom, the original one in San Francisco and what people were spending money on, it's like, wow, if we could educate them about the opportunities in the ground with the resource sector here, we'd be doing a good thing. So we pull in a large U.S. audience, roughly uh, about 40 percent of our traffic. Second in line is Canada. We have Australia, Europe and Singapore comes in a lot for the gold sector. We, on average, are bringing in about three hundred to 400,000 uniques, depending on the time of the year. This is one of our biggest times of the year because we're giving out of our outlooks and interviewing all the thought leaders about what's going to happen in 2020. Now, is that monthly or daily? That is a monthly. Okay. Still a significant number. And it, where I like to emphasize is that a lot of our traffic comes from our niche topics. So, you know, from palladium to biotech to esports to nanoscience and you know we are pulling in folks that are seeking in to learn about these specific niche markets and that's a i think a very valuable thing when for a publicly traded company is is reaching people who care and ultimately getting an opportunity to connect with them
0: Well, one of the things that I like to do with this podcast is when interviewing service providers like yourself is ask the questions that a CEO would be asking you. So with that, I want to start with asking the question of, you know, what does an engagement with INN look like? Now knowing what you do, but you know, how long, how much, what should that CEO expect? What I
1: appreciate is going in from the values of the company. Uh, Nick Smith, our CEO is great at helping to, uh, again, simplifying the concept. And so we deliver value. We don't lie. We like to have fun and we ask to ask for help. We want to form partnerships with our clients. And so an engagement with INN looks like a is a 12 month relationship in which we have a full team to support the companies in terms of content creation to giving guidance on when the appropriate time to use and sharing metrics. And so we have a number of packages that we put together that depending on what kind of branding and what kind of how much news is going to be released to the market, we have solutions that can take care of that. Those can range from 2000 a month to up to 6000 a month, but all of our agreements are usually 12 months. We like to stick with the brand and use all of our features, 12 to 20 features
0: that are designed to educate Brand Connect over 12 months.
2: You
0: know, and what are some of those features? Like I recall or I've seen some of the, the INN articles or the Inspired articles and different things there, but you guys have a set of different features. And I think, I mean, you wouldn't just package them up and say, hey, here's what we have for just for fun. They have a strategic purpose. What are some of them? You know, we build a profile of the company. That's the
1: cornerstone of our lead generation that it's a deep dive and like to say and really like distill the value proposition we have those uh, investor white papers that I have been discussing why are you in business if you get a question constantly from your institution or your retail folks so you you want to put an article out there that explains that inspired articles CEO video interviews we have a studios in which we will interview the CEO and take a deep dive into the value proposition We do branded press releases across the site as a service, all the company news. We allow for exclusive news to be sent to our databases. We do social media marketing. We use some of the advanced targeting out there to help our clients' news reach new people. And, you know, as a part of our service, of all of our service campaigns is we're generating weekly leads in which get delivered to the inbox of the IR teams on a weekly basis. And on average, we're delivering anywhere from 30 to 60 a
2: week. Hmm. Now, I mean, that's a key measurement. That actually drives to the next question is what are the measurements there? Or how can we measure, kind of measure the success of a program with you? So aside from the leads that hit the inbox, of your clients. What other
0: things should you be held to or should the client hold you to as metrics of success? Yeah, we hold our own KPIs internally is how many people are
1: opening up the news, how many people are reading the client news, how many people are going to the profiles. And that's what we can control. And that's what we report on in our campaign metrics to our clients as well. It is helpful when a company is pushing out news is one that we get to build on that brand and all of the unlocking of value there. But even if a company is not pushing out news, we can help bring the management team out to explain, you know, where they are in their life cycle, showcase them as thought leaders. And then we can show the metrics on, you know, how many people are reading that content, and how much exposure they are generated with our
2: database. I mean, to me, this, I mentioned earlier, it fits into a larger IR program or a larger part of IR program. And from your experience, I mean, you've been doing this, I think, you know, 10 years now or so. What are some of the biggest mistakes you find companies doing with their IR programs? Where are the misses? And perhaps to contrast that, where are you seeing some companies that are just killing it? Yeah,
1: I think uh, one of the more obvious ones there is just planning your PR strategy and, and having a, a good communication strategy is is important. And those that are tailoring the investor communications and getting that ready is a good thing. I've benchmarked and I've watched how companies performance based upon the news and how much their leads that they're getting. So it is helpful to have a communication strategy around the press releases that are unlocking value. I think going into a program, it's important to define what success looks like and just getting that understanding of why are we marketing and then trying to work backwards on what solutions that we are going to be using. As I've been doing this a long time, I like to say that there are no silver bullets out there. We just offer a lot of lead bullets that can be fired at the right time.
2: (laughs) You know, you're not the first to say that. In fact, I sat down with somebody who's perhaps a legend in the world of public venture capital and same thing he
0: said there's no silver bullet you know after so many years in the industry you'd think he would know the formula for some of this there really isn't there isn't uh you know one shot that's going to take the market so you have to be multifaceted and i think it's got to be done sometimes with as you say lead bullets the next thing is you know we're looking at these things with technology and how we're able to use that to get more targeted and to I mean, you can do it on the consumer side and some companies do that exceedingly well. Then you can do it in the investor side. And, and I think that's a bit of a new world. Like we're really, we're bringing in some of the best practices of the world of digital marketing into investor marketing. Mm-hmm. Where do you see the future of this going? Where do you see the future of investor communications going?
1: Yeah, I think we alluded to it in the beginning as the, the marketing automation. It's incredible how much I want to say machine learning is taking place where a lot of questions can almost be answered and then you can structure the answers coming out. So I see marketing automation and responses or you know drip campaigns and a lot of automated communication going to the investor. I'd like to see probably, you know, some of the mistakes, uh, kind of going back to the other question, is uh, ways that the investor can communicate or find other ways to communicate with the management team. I think that's going to be important and that's going to, I think the CEOs are becoming much more accessible. And Sorry, that what thats you is, mean that? By is, that? Just in terms of, you know, Twitter accounts and, you know, as we see in the the different channels and LinkedIn and CEO can be contacted in many different forms. And I think that's going to be a positive thing for the industry, but also can be a big mistake for publicly traded companies is not being accessible when you're first launching, too. And just to kind of dovetail on what our last question was. But in the future, you know, marketing automation in terms of a lot of automated responses and nurturing through education and having like let's say just click the call and being able to have that investor you know directly connect with the IR team. It's gonna make it a lot easier for communication.
0: Hmm. Any companies that come to mind who are really doing an outstanding job? There are a number of companies that
1: I'm watching right now that are agency side that are doing good work. I'm going to reserve from giving judgment on a broadcast right now, but there are some really innovative things. If anybody wants to reach out to me, I'm happy to share some of my ideas. But I've been watching because on our side, we love to see how companies are working with our leads and how they're following up and what kind of technologies that they're using to kind of nurture somebody along in the consumer marketing space, going back to that question, even with a needed product, let's say it's life insurance or alarm system. Usually when someone sends in a lead or wants information, I think the industry averages about seven to eight touch points before they get a response or maybe a conversion. So this kind of information, hmm. the more touches that you can have with your investor audience, the better.
2: You know, that's a huge point, right? Like you, when somebody goes and reaches out, it's not even just When they go to effectively convert and give their information on the consumer side by providing an email, they still take seven to eight touch points before, on average, they convert into a buyer. I think it would be silly for anybody in the investor relations world to expect that somebody comes to the website, downloads the presentation, and that, oh, hey, they're ready to buy. That's something we are constantly trying to educate
1: is, you know, you're competing for their attention. And with all the other channels that are competing for this investor's attention, you know, you have to stand out by providing value, good education, good content to them, being respectful and being able and sometimes being on multiple channels so they can take advantage of communicating with you. Maybe not so much on email, but maybe they want to go on Twitter.
2: What's next for INN? You guys have got a long history. You've, you've built a, a solid company and a solid reputation there. What's the future look like for you guys?
1: Future is bright. We are heading down under. We are going to Australia no and are launching dot in au, And we will be providing that same independent editorial for the Australian market and providing those ASX companies opportunity to connect with the audience that is reading the australian content that has been a a project that's been going on for nearly a year now and we're in a soft launch here and we're ready in the new year to
2: have uh, boots on the ground well that's fantastic it's actually a really exciting market especially uh when you look at the ASX and some of the, I mean, the resource plays there, and I know that there's the technology sectors also taking a real, uh, you know, positive uptick. So that's really cool. I didn't know that.
1: It's exciting to watch. We've done a lot of content on the battery metals space, and we've watched the Australian audience build to nearly 10% of the dot coms traffic. So we've clearly those markets down there are robust and we, we're excited to be down there and providing coverage for the ASX opportunities.
0: Oh, Great. Now, uh, you know, just
2: looking at time here and as we kind of near the end of our list, any final thoughts for CEOs who are working to engage investors? You know, final thoughts from best practices or what they should keep in mind and you know, anything to help them with their IR programs from your experience?
1: Just understanding what success looks like. Why are we doing this? And then being backing into that. And I just think, as as one of our colleagues like to say, is uh, you know sharpen the axe quite a bit before you you know you go to cut. And I think that's the biggest you know, plan your strategy based upon what's your intending goals and, you know, and and your branding and and where you want to go with things. There's a lot of interesting solutions out there for for advertising and whatnot, but ultimately we have to, you know, play it back. Look what success looks like. Do your homework, ask for referrals, look at the website traffic and see where, you know, there's a lot of tools out there like Alexa and you can see everything of, you know, the companies coming in so you can do your homework. And ultimately, you know, it's about just doing your homework ahead of time and making sure you plan on your communication strategy and be ready to go when you do deploy such a program so you can take full advantage.
0: Yeah. And just for the record, that's Alexa.com, I think, not Alexa by Amazon, where you can get some pretty interesting details on your competitors and on their traffic. It's a good marketing tool. Yes. And Jeff Bezos does own both of them. Does he really?
2: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, well, no wonder he's taking over the world. Right on. Okay. Well, Chris, you know, I really appreciate you taking the time here. Investingnewsnetwork.com, and then you've got the Aussie site coming out soon. How can listeners best follow your work?
1: investingnews.com is the best way to see our our content. You will see multiple newsletters. They can subscribe to one or all. And investingnews.com.au is live and in business as well. So, And I can be reached at any time at the office. And my contact details are below. And so I really enjoyed having the conversation here and uh, educating your audience.
0: Yeah. Chris, I appreciate you taking the time. Have a good one. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Insider's Guide to Finance. If you enjoyed what you heard, please share this with your friends and colleagues so they can benefit as well. You can also subscribe and leave a review on iTunes or the Play Store. Your support there is really appreciated. For future episodes, if there's a question, topic, or specific person you'd like me to interview, feel free to reach out. You can connect with me on LinkedIn or through my website at creativereturn.ca.